Okay, recording people. Turn to Matthew 18. There we go. <laughs> um, all right, so I'm just going to start off here reading just verse 1. It says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus and said, Who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So just to kind of get some thoughts from you guys, why do y'all think the disciples would even be asking this question? Just on an initial read. Guessing because they wanted to be like, am I contender? Yeah. Okay, that's what I'm thinking too. <laughs> Any other thoughts? That we naturally um, concern ourselves about position. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. It just makes me think about like years ago when I was a student, he's sending his kids and arguing back and forth about who's a superhero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think even like I know earlier just reading the top it says Jesus was predicting that he was gonna die. And yeah. so part of me is wondering if they're like, hmm, like who's gonna be next after Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Leave anyone in after yeah. the kingdom. <laughs> That's the thing. Uh, I'll I was thinking along the lines of where um talking about it, um, India, like, you can imagine, um, because the Sons of Thunder were already, you know, thinking to like, yeah, right, I'll be at your right, who, you know, whatever, and I think that um, sometimes they were probably wondering if they were on the right track, you know, and especially if they kind of got wind that this, you know, things are getting pretty serious and that, you know, things are coming close to an end here yeah. with their Lord. I'm wondering if they were just concerned before they left that they got all the feedback that they could get from him to make mm. sure that they were really living the life that they expected, he expected for them to live. Mm. Yeah. Because it is, it's, thinking about the kingdom, it is, it's kind of scary for these guys. You know, they've been following Jesus for three years. They know that his, he's saying his ministry is coming to a close. He's already predicted his death twice at this point. So he's kind of trying to wrap things up. And when you look at the other accounts of this as well, though, it says, and I guess it was Mark and Luke, it says that the disciples were arguing amongst themselves about this. So for me, that part of me is like, okay, actually, I think Alfreda could be on something there that maybe part of it's like, okay, we need to be prepared. But at the same time, like, they're still quite not getting there. <laughs> You know, for them, it, they're arguing between each other of who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And then, like she was saying, you know, as we go on a few chapters, it says that you know, the sons of Zebedee are sitting there like, okay, so can I beat your right and I'll beat your left? And one account even says that their mom is asking Jesus, like, hey, so you're going to put my sons up there, right? And it's just, they've been with Jesus for three years, but they're still seeing his kingdom in this view of what it's going to do for them and what their position is going to be. They're not getting, like, when you think about heaven, I think for us, you know, we have the whole Bible to look at. So when we think of heaven, we're like, oh man, well obviously we go there and we're just worshiping Jesus and he's the one who's in charge. We don't think, okay, I wonder where I'm going to be ranked. But I think while we're living life on this earth, we still are called to have a specific perspective. So um, going on here, I'll read the next few verses. So reacting to this question, it says, He called a child to him and had him stand there among them. I assure you, he said, unless you are converted and become like children, 
you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child, this one is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And I think it's really interesting here. Jesus is pointing to this child and saying, unless you become like this child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Who is in charge of the kingdom of heaven? God. So who do we need to become like to be in heaven? Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, God. God's son. He's the one who is setting us this example. But even just in this little act, it's really cool because Jesus himself is imitating the quality that he's trying to teach the disciples about. And, you know, reading this scripture, it can be easy to say, like, okay, we have to become like a child. So I'm supposed to be really goofy all the time, or I'm supposed to, like, fight with my siblings over petty things. Or, you know, it's easy to, like, pick out, like, little things about kids and be like, okay, what am I supposed to be imitating here? But I like when you look at it, I mean, he says, you have to be converted, which says, okay, it's not just something that we put on every day. It's actually like a change that has to occur in us. But it says, unless you're converted and you, you know, whoever humbles himself like this child. So Jesus isn't telling us to act like little kids, even though I think there are a lot of things that little kids do that we could do a lot better in, um, making friends and all these things. That all comes from this one quality of children that Jesus is trying to point us to, and that's humility. And um, it's really interesting because when he says to be converted, I was just thinking about that, like, okay, humility, that's not really like a action I can take every day. Like, I can't say, okay, today I'm going to go to work, I'm going to be so humble. Like, that's, you can't, I don't know, I can say I'm going to have my quiet time this morning, I'm going to read my Bible, or, hey, on the way to work, I probably need to pray because I have a bad attitude. Those are actions, and I, I don't know about you guys, I really like actions. Um, I studied engineering, everything is equations, I think some of you can relate to that, <laughs> Mr. Mechanical Engineer back there, <laughs> I know, uh, always Josh, always Josh getting picked on now, Vinny Yossi, yep, <laughs> um, but you know, for me, I like actions, and this is a little bit harder, because this is something we have to be converted to, this is a change that has to happen in our hearts. But it's very obvious when it's really happening or when you're just putting on a front. And that was something I was thinking a lot about, you know, I mean, with humility, if it's false humility, nobody is going to be attracted to that. And as followers of Christ, we're supposed to be attracting people. So whatever humility I have, it should be something that people see and they're like, wow, you know, he is honestly seeing himself as in this place of humility. You know, he honestly doesn't feel puffed up, but... If you try false humility, that's just not going to work. And I was even thinking about, okay, what, what would false humility look like? And I was just thinking about, like, if you're the you know, star quarterback here at Clemson University, you know, you walk on the team and you have all these great games, you have this amazing season, you're the national champs, and then in an interview you say, you know, I'm really, I'm really not very good at football. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm trying. I'm not that good at football, though. I promise. I'm not good. I just got lucky. Like, okay, no, you didn't get lucky. You know, you're just... Being false, you know, falsely humble here. <laughs> like you, you're really prideful. I would honestly rather be around someone who's prideful and brags about themselves than someone who tries to, you know, put on this false humility. Because that's just, it's annoying. It's, it feels, I don't, it feels really frustrating when I'm around that. Because like, man, just like honor yourself about something you did well. Don't, don't try to pretend like you're bad at it. No, like nobody likes that. That doesn't attract anyone. And for us as Christians, if you are trying to be humble just by putting on a front, 
that's not going to go very far. You know, I mean, if you're around people in the world and you're, you know, oh, well, it's just God's grace that I got 100 on that test. I didn't even study. It's like, no, okay, really? If you spent eight hours studying, like, you can say, I'm really grateful to God that I did well on my test, but that, you know, don't put on this fakeness. And I think that's why. And if somebody gives you a compliment and you don't receive it, it really insults the person who oh, gives yeah. it to you. Because yes. people tell me, I love what you did. I'm like, oh, you know, yes. I'm, no, oh, that? I didn't do it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and it really, it says, yes. oh, I don't respect your opinion. Yes. Yeah. Because your opinion is stupid yeah. because you said that I, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So yep. it's a double whammy. Yeah. 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 Yes. No, that's good. And that's... No, that's great, Mom. Because um, even thinking, about, <laughs> thinking about the you know, Jesus points us at the kid here. So yes. I was trying to think about okay, what what does a child do? Like, what does their humility look like? And like my mom was saying, if you compliment a kid and say, "Hey, wow, you're singing. That was so awesome." Like, yeah, I sounded great. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like they're they're willing to own up, to, and it's not it's not prideful. They yeah. aren't like I'm so full of myself. It's just. If they did well, they're excited, yes. and they're you know, really excited about it, but they aren't always trying to just impress and put other people down. And I was thinking, even like the competitive thing, you know, kids will be competitive, but that's something that they learn from us. Yes. You know? I mean, they watch, they watch the parents, they watch the campus students who are now young marrieds and you know, whatever in the world I am. Uh, you know, they're looking at everyone else, and that's how they learn this competitive nature, because kids on their own... They just appreciate things about each other, and you know, I, I absolutely love being at camp because when I'm out at Camp Swamp or when I'm doing camp in other countries with kids, you look at these nine-year-olds, and when one of them does something well, the rest of them freak out, and it's not a bad freak out of, oh man, now I look bad, I can't believe she did such a good cartwheel in front. Of, you know, they they get excited, they cheer each other on, and it's it's not about them just trying to show off either. I mean. They're really they're doing things because they enjoy it, and then they celebrate the others. Yes. And it's not just the them show. And that's, I think, when Jesus is talking here about having this childlike humility, he's not talking about constantly whipping ourselves. He's not talking about trying to make ourselves look stupid. But he is talking about this shift of my life isn't all about me. Everything's not pointing at me all the time, trying to get your attention, trying to prove how great I am. It's this idea of, man, I'm willing to put myself at the lower position and lift other people up. And this really got me thinking about some other scriptures um, that I've been looking about re- looking at recently. In my quiet times, if you want to turn to 1 Corinthians 1 real quick. I'm going to read a, read a little passage there. I think Paul talks so often about the body of Christ and about the way that we should view ourselves as we look at God, but also the way we should view each other uh, because of what God's done for us. And uh, I love this passage here. Paul says, Brothers, consider your calling. Not many are wise from a human perspective, not many powerful, not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something, so that no one can boast in his presence. But it is from him 
that you are in Christ Jesus, who became God-given wisdom for us, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, in order that, as it is written, the one who boasts must boast in the Lord. And so taking the humility concept now, not just talking about bragging about ourselves and our gifts and trying to make ourselves look good, but thinking spiritually about that, it's easy in church to want to build this great resume of spiritual things. And um, I don't know about the rest of you. Um, well, I do know human nature. <laughs> so I'll say, I mean, human nature, is, we want to build up this resume so that we have something to point to. And when we mess up, we can say, oh, yeah, but I, but I did X, Y, Z. But, okay, I may have messed that up, but look, look at all the things I did right. And, you know, for me, I was even just thinking in the last week uh, with preaching this Sunday yeah, I was kind of thinking like, oh man, okay, I'm going to preach a sermon. That's pretty cool that Keith asked me to preach a sermon. You know, like, wow, okay. But the, the more I was getting ready, the more I was like, wow, I really have no idea what I'm doing. And this is, I don't feel like preaching was a gift that I was really given or called to, but here it is that God gave me this opportunity. And I was like, man, you know, even as I was preparing my lesson, I started putting some stuff together. I was like, okay. I think this is getting good. And then it started to be like, okay, maybe I do have a good sermon. Maybe, maybe I will do a good job. And getting all pumped up. And I don't know, I just, I started looking at that. I'm like, man, hopefully, even if I did really, really well on Sunday, I felt great about myself, it wouldn't be because I thought that I had done this on my own or because I thought that I was so wise. And looking back earlier this week when I was so insecure and worried after I first started the sermon, all those feelings of, man, I got asked to preach, turn into, oh gosh. And you all of a sudden, you kind of see yourself. I think y'all probably been here. When you start doing something and you realize you don't know what you're getting yourself into, all of a sudden, you, know, you get humbled out really quick and you have to rely on God. And when I think of just being a child, I'm like, man, when I was a kid, I didn't know how to do like anything so when my parents were sending me to tennis camp or when I was taking piano lessons or <laughs> that, that didn't go so well I got a little prideful there <laughs> but, um, but in you know in anything that I was going after when you first start it's kind of frustrating because you don't know what you're doing and once you start getting it you're excited that you got something but you're also really grateful to whoever's teaching you and it's you have this man like this lady just taught me how to swim in a pool. You know, the thing of Ella, like, she can swim now, and she's excited for herself, but there's a, there's a gratitude when you remember, like, man, I couldn't swim three weeks ago, or, man, I couldn't play tennis before this summer. Like, it's, it's exciting, and I think for us as Christians, the things that we learn how to do for God, it's not something that we can even do on our own, and that's what I love about Christianity is all the things that you become in Christ, it's not just about a new ability that you have, you know, I got this stroke, I got this new note I can sing, whatever. Spiritual thing, I mean, it's deep character stuff that we know that we couldn't get to on our own. And the reason for that is so that we can't boast. Like it says here, we're called to be boasting in the Lord. The, you know, the very end, the one who boasts must boast in the Lord. And we don't follow a religion that is about you know, self-preservation, making ourselves look good, um, making sure that we're the best people around. Hopefully, your Christianity is changing you, and you, and you are becoming a, you know, quote, better person, as people would say, and hopefully you're becoming the nice guy in the office, or 
the girl who everyone wants to get advice from. You know, hopefully we are becoming those people because there is a calling that we become like Christ. But as we do that, it's not because we follow a religion that just makes us great. It's because we follow a religion where we get to boast in God and we get to point to God. And hopefully that is helping us to make some changes on the way. Um, and I love that you know, in Christianity, we are flawed. And I look back at you know, seven years now since I got to college and realized I wasn't living it. <laughs> I wasn't living it at all. And um, when I started following Jesus, I thought, okay, now I'm going to be awesome. I'm going to be so great. And that's just not reality. I messed up so many times. Then I got married, and I'm like, man, okay, now I'm a married guy. I'm going to be a really great Christian. And still, hurt you hurt your wife's feelings, and you make her cry at the dinner table. You're like, oh my gosh, what did I just say? Whatever happens, and I look at other friends who become Christians and make mistake after mistake, and some of them, the worst sins that they did were after they became Christians. And that can be really discouraging and make you want to give up. But when you remember, hey... Christianity is about me boasting in the Lord, then you can humble out and come to Jesus and say, I want to learn. And it makes you more willing to come to others and get help. Uh, You know, when you think that Christianity is about you making yourself look good, then when you make mistakes, it's easy to want to hide it because you don't want to tell other people, hey, I really don't know what I'm doing. And, oh, I've been a Christian for 10 years and I'm still struggling with this sin. You know, all those things, that can make you feel really stupid when you think that Christianity is about your own perfection. But when you remember that it's about boasting in Jesus, all that, of course you want to get help. Of course you want to be open with people because you know that they're making mistakes too, yes. but that you're all in this together. And yes. when a child doesn't know how to do something, you know, maybe they'll try to figure it out for a while and you, know, you see them over there in the corner and they just can't get the shoe tied or you know they're working on the homework and they're getting mad. Maybe they start crying, but eventually that kid is going to break and they are going to get some help. And... I, I love being around kids when they ask questions. And, you know, if you hang out with, like, five-year-olds, it's just like, question, question, question. And, oh, my gosh, would you just leave me alone a little bit? But, but then you, if you stop and try to learn from it, it's like, man, this is, this is awesome that they are willing to not act like they have their life together. And that's, you know, yeah, they're teachable, teachable and willing, willing to listen and willing to ask, even if it's embarrassing. Um, there's not this sense of pride that we have to make ourselves look good. So let's flip back over. Um, I want to keep going down in Matthew. So uh, verses 5 and 6, uh, you have to view these in context. Okay, so don't, don't take this and get weird on me, because I, I can get weird on myself with these verses and get a little confused. Um, we're going to read them together, even though they point to two different themes. Uh, Okay, so starting in verse 5 of chapter 18, it says, Whoever welcomes one child like this in my name welcomes me. But whoever causes the downfall of one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for him if a heavy millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offense comes. And... Okay, so let's look at context here. Verse 4, it said, Whoever humbles himself like this little child, this one is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And then it says, Whoever welcomes one child like this. And then after that, Whoever causes the downfall of one of these little ones. So here, it's talking about the humble people. 
not just not just children. And for a long time, I would read verses 5 and 6, and I thought it was just talking about children. And I had to do a lot of praying and uh, talking to people and reading like a million commentaries. But even, you know, just looking at the verbiage here, Jesus is pointing us now to not just the kids, but to humble people in general. And there's a lesson to be learned here because I was just thinking about whoever welcomes one child like this, whoever welcomes... One of these people who has humbled themselves like this child, one of these who is considered the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, then you're welcoming Jesus. And that was actually really convicting to me because all of a sudden I started thinking about, okay, with kids, I can be really welcoming. It's easy. Even when they make mistakes, it's a kid. I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to get past it. But thinking about welcoming, I was just thinking, okay, who do I give honor to? Like when I think about... People in church, you know, who am I giving the most honor to? And a lot of times, my temptation is to honor the people who I see doing the big spiritual things. But man, they just preached an awesome sermon. I, I'm going to honor that person. I want to get to know them. I want to talk to them. I want to learn from them. Oh, man, this person, you know, ooh, family group leader. Like, oh, that's pretty cool. I need to hang out with Brent more often. <laughs> like, learn something. And, um, you know, I, I can think of all these... Or even, I mean, just think about, like, the, the Joneses. Like, they're about to adopt Angelina. They're doing this selfless thing. I want to learn from them. And these are all great things. But if I'm only viewing, like, man, I have to see a spiritual-looking action, and then I'll go learn from those people, I'm, I'm missing something here. And those people have all shown humility in the different actions that they're taking. And that's what we're called to learn from. When it says we're supposed to be welcoming you know, these, these humble people, and then we're welcoming Jesus. And all of a sudden I started thinking about, okay, do I go try to learn from people and ask advice from people because I saw them doing something humble? Or do I just try to get advice from people who I see doing this big action? And really, if somebody's like the quiet, humble person on the side who's never pointing at themselves, I probably don't ask them for a lot of advice. And I'm probably not looking to learn from them. And I don't know about you guys, but it's easy to honor the people who are doing the things that look super honorable and miss out on learning from those who really deserve the most honor of all that we just weren't paying attention to. And I started thinking, and that's even outside of church. I was thinking at work, like the people who I'm like, oh, man, I need to get with that manager and talk to them. That's the kind of guy I want to be like. It's the front runner who's getting stuff done. It's not the person who's on the side kind of serving the whole department. <laughs> like, yeah. like there are people at my job who are amazing, but they aren't at the top of the food chain. And the reason is because they're the ones who are just helping all the time. They're the ones who are serving all the time. And it's easy to appreciate those people but not think that we should learn from them or not even aspire to be like them because we ourselves want to do the things that are honored. Right. We want to do the things that will get attention. Yeah. We want to be... Yeah. The one doing the big action that everyone, you know, we're sitting at family group and everyone's, oh man, you did so great. I'm so proud of you. Like, brother, man, I can't believe you did that. You were really growing and learning. And it's hard to say, oh man, I want to be like this person who serves behind the scenes and nobody ever recognizes it. And nobody even saw what they did. You know, I kind of saw somebody out the corner of my eye. Oh, I want to be like that where nobody noticed all the things that they were doing and how hard they were working. You don't want to be like that. I mean, I don't want, to, don't want to do a bunch of stuff that no one ever notices. Then they won't know how great I am at being a Christian. And how will I ever reach out to someone if they don't see how good I am at being a Christian? Which, then that's totally the wrong mindset. And 
Um, I was looking at another scripture that really just I was thinking about as I started thinking through all of this with verse 5. Um, in Romans, and you don't have to turn there, I'll just read it for you. In Romans 12, you guys have heard this scripture um, probably pretty often, but it says in verse 1, Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. For by the grace given to me, I tell every one of you, or everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he should. Instead, think sensibly, as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. And previously, I think, for me, thinking about the many parts of the body and how they all have different functions, it's been more about showing grace to the people who don't seem like they're giving as much. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, you know, okay, we've got to appreciate all the parts of the body, even if there's one part that's not really pulling their weight. Hey, it's probably some important part of the body anyway. I know God said that, so it must be true. But I don't think, man, okay, what is God trying to teach me through this part of the body? Like this part of the body that's not doing something out front, what can I learn from them? And, you know, even Paul, he is Paul, like the guy who started all these churches. And, wow, I'm the one who evangelized Asia. And I did this and that. And all these churches listen to me. And I'm the one in charge. But he wasn't doing all that to point attention to himself. And even he doesn't worship himself in the letters and tell everyone, hey, look how amazing I am. He constantly is pointing people to Jesus. And even saying, you know, by the grace given me, I tell you guys to do this. Like he saw God's grace that had been shown to him. He saw his own sinful place. He saw himself where he was, and that was the motivation for doing everything he did. It wasn't because, man, I'm, I'm the best. I'm so amazing. It was, man, God has shown me a lot of grace, so now I'm going to do this. and I'm going to listen to him, and I'm going to go here and there. And you know what? I'm an apostle, but I'm the least of the apostles. Everything he did, it was he understood his place among God's people. And it's cool to, to think that he thought that way. I'm like, man, how do I ever think that I'm anything without God? <laughs> how do I ever puff him? If Paul wasn't puffing himself up, how am I puffing myself up? And I think of Philippians 2 where you know, Paul talks about all these things and, and he says, but I'm nowhere close to being like Christ. You know, every day he's trying to aspire to be like Christ because he sees that he's nowhere close, but that that's the race he's running, that that's what he's running after, that every day I have to forget what's behind and move forward, and it's, everything's motivated by God's grace. And I think when we're viewing each other in that way, that really helps because, one, I'm going to show more grace to people, but two, I'm not going to see myself as better than somebody else in the church. And verses 6 and 7 where it talks about causing others to sin, that's not just talking about, like, hey, I you know, sent out an email to the whole church with pornographic images, or hey, I went and convinced Juliana that she should murder Warren tonight. You know, I mean, it's, it's not like just like these like big physical sins that everyone said, wow, that's really sinful. 
because you know what is what is sin? Sin is when we're missing the mark of being like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like sin is I'm going my way and not God's way. Yeah. And when you think of that view, it's like okay, we need to view ourselves with grace so that with our brothers and sisters, we aren't trying to get the humble people to be more competitive so that we feel better about ourselves having a bad attitude. Or, you know, we're not trying to drag other people down and get them into whatever sin we're into. If you feel like, oh man, you had one too many drinks at a cookout, you shouldn't be coming over to Anna Claire and saying, hey, you know, she's a lightweight, maybe if I can get her to have another drink, I'll feel better because she looks crazy. You know, I mean, it's, there's this idea that you know, we don't want to look like we're the worst in the yeah, room. And right. so sometimes that means we try to egg other people on and That's get true. them to have bad attitudes right. or get them to, yeah. you know, yeah. okay, I, man, I, oh, I noticed I've been gossiping so much about Josh Wisnett, man. I, you know, I should go talk to Josh Fairchild, see if he'll say something bad about him too. <laughs> then, you know, then it's like, oh, yeah, we're all having a trouble with Josh. He's just really, man, he's bothering all of us. And, you know, he's probably the one with the issue. It's not me and my gossip. It's probably something he did. You know, we... Yeah. We like to drag each other down, and right. what this is saying, you know, looking back at what was the motivation for all of this, it was Jesus with his boys, and they're asking, who's the greatest? And so he talks about the children, and he talks about, okay, now, not only am I telling you to be like this child, but I'm telling you, the people who are doing this well, don't try to get them in trouble either, you know? They, they're doing well, try to be like them, don't try to pull them away from me, don't try to Make them less humble. Don't try to surround everyone else um, or surround yourself with people who are doing poorly. If they're doing well, celebrate that. Learn from it. <laughs> you know, don't, um, don't make this all about you. And I think being willing to take the lower position and realize when you've messed up and admit that, you know, like I said, it takes an understanding of God's grace and realizing, okay, hey, that. I'm still a Christian, but now I need help because <laughs> I know that I need to get the help of other people and seeing ourselves really in view of who we are. And you know, like a child, being willing to admit not only when we need help, but you, know, you can celebrate the things that you're doing well, and then you can go teach other people. But if I see something I'm doing well and I really have a humble mindset, then I can go say, Anna Claire, you know, I had trouble with that same thing. Here's how I learned, and here's how I've actually gotten past that. And when you are acting in a life of humility, people are willing to learn from you, even in the things you're doing well. And it's not braggadocious. It's not annoying and obnoxious for you to talk about things that you're even doing well. You can teach people with all the things that you're great at when you know that you're great at them because of Jesus. And, and when you're coming with the mindset of, man, you know what? I can help you along. You know, Rich has been a Christian for a while. <laughs> he can tell me a lot. And there have been times that he'll, he'll tell me a story. I'm like, man... I want to have that kind of attitude. Like, if I was in that situation, I would not have reacted that way because I'm selfish. And he didn't tell me these things to brag about himself. Man, like, oh, one time I was in this situation, and look how spiritual I was. He, he maybe, like, saw something in my character. was like, ooh, I should kind of share this story with Jacob, and maybe he can learn from me. Or maybe it was just the Holy Spirit that put it on his heart to share a story that was convicting. But when we have that humble mindset... Not only are you getting closer to Jesus and making yourself like the child so that you can enter the kingdom of heaven, but you get to teach other people how to do that as well. And um, really, I just wanted to leave you guys with not a whole lot of practicals uh, for the week. Uh, This is a lesson, you know, I mean, these scriptures, this is all heart stuff. And 
So I don't have a three-step action plan for you guys of what you can do to make yourself humble this week, but I can say read the Bible and pray, uh, and that's what I've really been working on. And it's been convicting this week, just trying to think of myself in a humble place. There have been some times this week that I really missed the mark. I mean, I was at Starbucks yesterday. I'll tell you all a little story. I'm at Starbucks, and I go up to order, and yeah, can I get the diva drink for Anna Claire, so I, I can pick on her a little bit. I said, can I get a venti iced white tea, light ice, no classic, no water, add cool lime? And, and the girl's like, um, yeah, let me see how I can ring that up. And I'm like, oh my gosh, just press all the buttons of what I just told you. I told you exactly what to push on the system. And she asked the other girl, and she's like, oh, just ring it up as a cool lime refresher. I'm like, hold on, that's a $5 drink? And I just ordered a $3 drink that doesn't have the lime slices, and that saves you $2. So I know how this works, because I used to work here. And so anyway, she comes back, and she rings me up, and I'm like, what's she about to say for the price? Because I don't know what they said over there. And she goes, eight, oh, whatever. For my, oh, I had a drink, too. I had a drink, too. And I'm um, like, hmm. And she said, what is it? I said, did you ring that up as a refresher? And she said, and, and she said um, yeah, I, yeah, I did. I said, okay, well, that's not how they usually do it at other Starbucks, but okay. And then she's like, oh, well, you know, it is pretty much the same thing as a refresher. And, and then I'm like, oh, now she's trying to make me look like I'm the stupid one? So I said, well, actually, that's not how you're supposed to ring that up, but don't even worry about it. I'll just pay. Okay, now, how do you think that girl's feeling when I react that way? Yeah. I, I, after I finish, I pay, and I walk back, and I'm standing there waiting for my $8, two drinks, and I'm feeling a little frustrated, and all of a sudden, it hit me. I'm like, man, if I was working at the Starbucks, I would be waiting for me to leave, and this, before I was a Christian, or maybe after I was a Christian, I'd be sitting there waiting for me to leave so I could tell everybody about the jerk you just ordered. Like, oh, yeah, you know, I charged him the way I was supposed to, and this guy's trying to tell me I'm wrong, and now, did she charge it right? Uh, debatable. I would say no. We got that drink for three dollars this morning at Starbucks of Clemson. So, shout out to Clemson Starbucks. But, um, but yeah, I I sat down and then I'm like, okay, now time to read my Bible. Oh, oh, and I'm reading Matthew six and I'm, oh gosh, okay, Jesus is talking about being humble and the way we need to treat others and love and. I had to go up and apologize to her, and it felt kind of silly. I I mean, you're like, man, I feel so silly. I'm apologizing to this little 18-year-old Starbucks girl who probably already forgot what happened, and she's going to just look at me like I'm crazy, but I knew I needed to apologize because I knew I wasn't acting humble. I knew I wasn't, and she was like, oh, no, you're totally fine. I completely understand, and everyone was cool. Maybe that's actually how she felt. Maybe she was just practicing good customer service, (laughs) but... But either way, you know, when we're reading the Bible, it makes it obvious when we're not doing this. And I share that story to say, when you're reading things this week, when you're praying, the way that you learn humility is by practicing it. And the way you practice it is by feeling the conviction that God gives you and actually going and doing something. And you may feel kind of silly throughout the week, and there may be times you have to talk to people, and maybe there are even situations with other people in this room that you're like, man, i got to talk to them. I've had the worst attitude. Or... Man, the other day we had a conversation, and since then, I've just been giving them the cold shoulder. And I really need to apologize and tell them how much I love them. Maybe I don't even need to tell them what I've been feeling towards them. I just need to go hug this person and actually start a conversation and get over my pride that they embarrassed me. 
And, you know, whatever it is, you know, what I'm encouraging you guys is this week, try to be changed uh, by your reading. Try to be changed by your praying. Um, Like I said, I don't have a two-step, three-step, five-step action plan for you, but I know that the Bible can help us to do this because I've seen it in my own life this week and not just in that situation, but in other ways that I know this is something i got to work on, but this is something we all got to work on. Uh, This is hard and if we saw it in the 12 disciples who'd been with Jesus for three years, I'm sure, <laughs> you know, we, we've got Jesus with us, but we don't have the physical example um, except in the scripture. So you've got to be reading this if you're going to get it. Um, so I'm going to say a quick prayer. And then for our time of communion, um, as we've been doing recently with Summer Circle Church, we'll just have a little, a little time of sharing. <laughs> I'll bring it up. <laughs> I love India appreciates my words and I appreciate her Uh, casserole names visible bacon (laughs) Um, yeah we're gonna have some time just to share and if there's something on your heart that man this is something I was really convicted of when we were reading the scriptures I just want to share this or hey here's something I really need prayer with because I've had a bad attitude and I feel like I need to be humble and ask for help whatever it is we'll have just a little bit of time for sharing and then um, we'll have a final prayer and be done with the service So I'll say a quick prayer, and then we'll pass out the communion. God, thank you so much for this morning. Uh, Thank you again for the chance to be here together to worship you. Uh, God, thank you for great music. And um, even though I know it was kind of last minute, I think, with some of the songs for Alex, having it thrown on him, he did a great job. And, um, yeah, and Royce just leading so many songs recently. I've been so encouraged to see him putting himself out there and, um, I thank you for all the gifts that you've given the people in this room and the ways that we can share them with each other. And um, when church is a little thin in the summer, I think we do get to see people push themselves in new ways. And um, it's fun. It's exciting. Uh, I love seeing people just break out of their comfort zones because they want to serve you and love you. And I pray that all of us will just do that this week, that we will have hum- uh, humility uh, as we just see ourselves in our place uh, before you, that we see who we really are and where we need help and that we can also see what we're doing well with and uh, that we can share it with others and that we'll do it in a humble way, that we won't be bragging to each other or feeling like we have to prove our resume of spiritual actions, but that we'll do things because we appreciate your grace and because we see how much we need it and we see how much others need it and we want to show grace to them. We want to help them be closer to you and we want to be close to you ourselves. Um, God, thank you again for this time and just for giving me the opportunity to share with the church this morning and I pray that it had an impact in Jesus name. Amen.